Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sideline Dribblers podcast. I'm your host, John Guarna, and as always with me, I got my man, NBL One North head coach, Braden Hesselhurst. Braden, another huge weekend of hoops, lots of things to talk about. What's the first thing on your mind? I know what it is. I think I know what it is, at least. You know, we, we do well, actually. Well, I was going to say um, how amazing the basketball was over the weekend and how you just can't get enough of it. And, and you're, you're, you know we're talking NBL, but I know your head is, is in Queensland State Classics. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the, the basketball sort of never stops. You know, we've got uh, NBL 1 preseason. We've got NBL sort of hitting fever pitch at the moment. And now, um, you know, back at the Junior State Championships covering the under-16s boys and girls tournaments for the Korea Mouse. So, um, get to see the uh, the elite ones on the weekend, and then the uh, the the country sort of up and coming stars during the week. So it's um it's all basketball this week, mate. It always is all basketball for you. Uh, are you not doing any coaching at, at the classics? No, nah, not this time, mate. I'm just uh, covering it for the career mail. So um, you know, I identify sort of the top juniors and do some stories on different things and got some plans different plans for the coverage this week as well as obviously we're live streaming um you know i think 52 games across the uh the four days so um that's keeping me busy enough this week yeah i guess you'll be a bit busy with that uh any players for people out there that are listening out of state anyone that people need to to hear about now uh that potentially we might see in the nbl or further in the future yeah, mate, there's a couple. There's, um, you know, in, in the boys' comp, we've got, you know, a seven-footer at under-16s under in um, Rocco Zakarski for, for the Northside Wizards. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him, Johnny, but um, uh, like I said, a footer at uh, under-16s level, but pretty mobile as well. Uh, plays above the rim, really good motor and all that sort of stuff. Then you've got LeBron Brooks from the same team, obviously a great name as well, and he, he's a up-and-coming star. And then you've got, um, one of the best players in the country for his age from Cairns in Tyson Crease um, as well. So then, you know, on the girls' side, you've got some, some girls from the uh, the undefeated Logan Thunder as well and um, Nefertali Natoa's younger sister and Prasaeus Natoa and um, Vahalia, I, I can't pronounce her last name, from our, from our club as well. And, um, and then a lot of other talent um, going around in the girls' comp as well. So... Um, I think there's a few future boomers and future opals in this sort of age group in uh, in the Queensland competition, mate. So definitely some stars to, to look out for going forward. How can people watch? I know you said there's some live streaming. If they want to tune in to see who these next stars are coming out of Queensland, how can they watch those games? Yeah, mate, we can, we can hop on the, the Career Mail website during the, the four days. Obviously, the first day is over, but... Um, you know, the, the semifinals are on Thursday and grand finals on Friday. And uh, if you hit on there, you, you can subscribe for $1 for the first 28 days and you can sort of cancel that whenever. So, you know, $1 gets you a fair bit of access with, with all the games and everything um, across this tournament. So great value for money and I'm uh, grateful to be a part of it and grateful that, uh, you know, my company's been able to um, live stream these games and we've been able to do it for a while now. So it's uh, good to see. 
Yeah, it's great that the company is supporting it, but I want to give you a lot of credit too. I know you've been a big part of the push to get the coverage of hoops over at the Courier Mail. So a big ups to you for, for pushing for that. I know it was something that you've been passionate about and, and you've been pushing for a while and now they're really featuring a lot of basketball coverage. So well worth that dollar investment uh, just to see those next stars. We got to see though in the NBL, the next star, Josh Giddy returned to the court and man, did he make a difference to that 36ers lineup. He comes back, the 36ers get back on track, they pick up an 84-72 win over the Illawarra Hawks, and man, Giddy looked good in that one, another near triple-double, 13 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, he was a plus 14, and I know you laughed at me when I said he, he might unlock uh, Brandon Paul, it, it didn't fully happen, but I think he unlocked the, the potential of that team, and he really shows what a difference maker he is when he's inserted into that lineup and, and back on the court. Yeah, absolutely. He he was sensational again on the weekend. And, you know, I think they said on the commentary and I'm um, pretty sure everyone watching was hoping that he'd get his triple-double, but he fell um, just short. But he but he just controls the game for them, mate. Like I said, with, with him and then, you know, Isaac Humphreys, who's still out, they're, they're just a completely different team. At times they might be ugly, but somehow they just, just find a way to win. And um, Adelaide desperately needed that after, I think it was a four-game losing streak. But um, he just gets them better shots. He just gets them some easy opportunities that they just don't get. You look how they struggled offensively when he was out. Um, you know, they really, really struggled. So uh, he's been sensational, uh, you know, basically the whole season. And then he just come back on the weekend. And uh, I think that's shown in the latest, um, you know, draft rankings. I think he's, you know, come out today for, for the rankings on Bleacher Report and all that sort of stuff that he's number nine. So, um, that's huge for for a kid like Josh Giddy and yeah, rank night, rank night. Sorry, in the mock draft and um, you know he's averaging fourteen point two points, eight rebounds, nine point five assists since March one. So uh, a six eight point guard who's only eighteen y- years old and can just make great decisions and um, absolute superstar of the future. And you know from what I'm hearing, um, you know could be a selection in that Boomers team as well. So. Um, you know, from the stuff I've heard, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in that, you know, 11th or 12th spot for, for the Boomers squad for the Olympics. So um, he's been absolutely sensational and, um, you know, just continues to consolidate his sort of stock for the NBA draft next year. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I'm super surprised that he's played the way that he has. I thought he might struggle a bit, but he really has made an impact pretty much from day one. And I think, you know, the injury, while it's never a good thing to be injured, I think it makes you realize how valuable he was to that team. I mean, you knew it before he was out, but I think it was really clear night and day the team performance from when he was out and then that return against Illawarra. He, he, the thing that impresses me most, and, and I sound like a broken record and you would have heard it from everybody, but just his control of the game, his maturity, uh, you know, he, he is 18 years old, but he doesn't play like an 18-year-old. He has full control of the game over his emotions, and he's one of those silent leaders, I think, He's really proven uh, to be well. Uh, I, I can't. I can't put it into words. You know, he he plays beyond his years. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And the biggest surprise for me, though, really is his shooting. He he shot the ball quite well. The the three point shot was his question mark. I mean, it's not a great shot, and it still has room for improvement. But it's been pretty effective this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought it looked the best probably on the weekend. Um, you know, there were situations where he got caught up in. Uh, sort of created switches and had B 
bigs guarding him and giving him obviously a gap that that would probably be the scout, um, not probably would be the scout. And, and you know he set him up to get him a little bit more space and step in and rhythm and knock down um, perimeter shots. And you know as a as a guy who's elite, got elite size at six foot eight, got elite passing, um, and that knack for you know being able to create on the offensive end and everything. Um, you've got to be able to knock down some threes um, to be able to keep the defense honest, especially if you want to make that jump to being a, a really good player at the NBA level. And he looks like he's continued to improve at that level, and that's only going to get better when he gets over to the NBA and, um, you know, is around that sort of um, gym 24 hours a day and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's been a massive surprise for me too. And, and like I said, it's it's going to be something he's got to – have to do if he wants to be an elite player at the NBA level. And he looks like he's, um, you know, all signs are pointing in the right direction for him. Certainly is. Uh, the win over the Illawarra Hawks was a good win, but, you know, we, we want to move on geez, to they're the... Up and, geez, they're up and down, aren't they? Well, I mean, where where we're going with this is is the injuries because injuries have hit pretty much everybody. Illawarra, one of those teams, you know, their star point guard, Tyler Harvey, has been out for a couple games. And, man, have they struggled without him. Jack White came back uh, and was amazing in, in in that game up until his injury, and unfortunately he's out now for the season. Vic Law, we thought that he was going to play. Next thing you know, he's not in the lineup and the Bullets are struggling. Injury bug has really affected everybody, including the, the Adelaide 36ers. We just mentioned Giddy just got back from injury, and they're still waiting on Isaac Humphreys. It's at that point of the season where all these these little injuries and the games and the travel and, and the bubble and, and COVID and all these things are starting to impact people's bodies, and the injury bug has really struck, and it's been unfortunate for quite a few teams. I think uh, if you look at the two teams, though, that – really are struggling with, that, with the injury bug and, and with a couple of their stars. You talk about the Illawarra Hawks with Tyler Harvey and, and the Bullets really struggled without Vic Law. Absolutely. But you, you look at the team that's probably struggled the most and it's been the Sydney Kings <laughs> yeah. throughout the you know, preseason and the start of the season. So we're even leaving them out. Um, that's how many injuries there have been. But just with the Hawks, quickly, I, I know everyone's on the, the Tyler Harvey bandwagon as well, but um, I, I think you can't overlook the omission of um, Cam Bairstow as well. Um, you know, he's been huge off the bench for them when he's been on the court this year. He just been, hasn't been able to put any consistent games together. This is the best I've seen him look since he's been in Australia. Like, when he played for the Bullets, he didn't look right. He didn't. He probably, um, you know, wasn't the fittest he'd like to be. He couldn't play more than a couple minutes at a time um, with this sort of pace. But he's looked slim and looked like he's had a real impact, not only um, defensively, uh, not only offensively, but defensively, but his ability to shoot the ball, um, create shots from that sort of mid-post area um, for, for the Illawarra Hawks, who have really struggled offensively, um, you know, in, in their losses. And, you know, you put that together with Tyler Harvey, obviously, who's a offensive juggernaut. I think that's been a massive absence as well. But, you know, other teams as well. Jack White's a huge loss. It's so sad to see him go down, considering how good he's been. Um, and then on the Bullets front, you know, this could have could probably not have come at a worse time. You know, I was speaking to Sam McKinnon, the GM of the Bullets today, and uh, it's been a really tough time for them. They were sort of just clicking into gear, and then they had that loss to, to New Zealand when Colton Iverson went off. Um, and that's when, they, that's when the injury started. They had Vic Law out, Matt Hodgson out. Um, now they got they had Anthony Drimmick out on the weekend as well um, with a back complaint. 
Um, you know, and they've got several other guys as well out. So, you know, the only good news that they've got right now is the fact that Lamar Patterson's coming back this weekend and, you know, he's probably not at 100% uh, and obviously doesn't have that game fitness there, but they need something um, to try and keep their hopes of uh, making that top four alive. They need to scrape together some wins so they can make a run when they get their guys back. So looks like Anthony Drimmick might give it a go as well this week. Um, but, yeah, injuries couldn't have come at the worst time for, for that team. And, you know, the the question mark, though, also with Patterson, he, he's coming back in from an injury, but he was not great for New Zealand, and he's sliding back into a Bullets team that has defined roles now. Nathan Sobey is, is the alpha, and you know, Vic Law is his co-alpha. Vic Law obviously injured. Lamar slides into his injury replacement role for, for law. So you got to think Patterson's going to be that second gun. But uh, like you said, it, it just couldn't come at a worse time. And I do want to touch on Jack White as well, because Melbourne started to play better, but they just looked at a whole nother level with him on the court. Defensively, he, you know, he gets a lot of credit for blocking shots, which he has a real knack for, but he's a defensive talker. He knows where everyone needs to be. He's a help. He's a help defender. He can slide over from the weak side. He can guard you in the post, out on the perimeter. He adds a whole other dimension to that team. And to lose him for the season, I think, is going to be a struggle for for Melbourne. I mean, they they looked good at times uh, against Cairns. They looked really ordinary at times in the two games against Cairns. Uh, and I thought, really, when White was on the court, they just looked like uh, that that real championship contender. I still have them in that category, but without White, I, I think you know they almost drop not a peg, but they drop just a little bit underneath and where they would be with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think it's this this easy with Melbourne United. I think they're a shoe in to win it. I think they're the favourites with Jack White. I don't think they are without him. I think they're um, still second in my opinion, but I think Perth have the edge. Um, over United, like you said, they just look a completely different team with him on the floor. And obviously, you know, with the amount of offensive firepower they have with Golding, Landau, Hobson, McCarron, um, and Joel Oala-Chul, who's amazing coming off the bench um, and stuff like that, they need that guy who's just that off-defensive spark plug, makes big plays, um, does all the little stuff, all the dirty stuff, um, and guards, you know, the best perimeter players and everything and best, you know, scorers on the other team and everything. So, um, you know, uh, the, a couple of the Melbourne United players said it. He, his leadership, in, despite being in his first year, has been incredible. And I think they need to find a way to cover what he does if they're going to win a championship for me. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really sad because uh, to me, he was, he was the rookie of the year while, when he was out there. And I just don't know if he'll have enough games played to, to be in contention for that award. But I think he certainly has to be in consideration. And to be fair, I think he might even be in, in consideration for the defensive player of the year. I know everyone's talking about all these other guys, but he, he was just super impressive. Another guy, though, who has been super impressive for the past couple of weeks comes from the New Zealand Breakers and Colton Iverson. He was tremendous in that win against the, the Bullets. He was a real impact player. And he had another massive, massive game against Southeast Melbourne. 26 points, 22 rebounds, eight of them offensive. Only picked up three fouls. 
He was one of the only players in, in, in plus territory for the Breakers, but they couldn't pull out that win. But, man, Colton Iverson, after uh, a somewhat rough start to the season and people questioning whether he was of the NBL quality, he's putting a lot of people uh, – he's, he's really sticking it to all those people who are questioning his spot with the Breakers. First of all, I, I want to address that, Johnny, because I've seen – Carl Beston having a go at people on Twitter who's from the boss, uh, I think it's Beston and Greenway podcast or whatever it is. Yes. Um, having a go at people about the exact thing that you're speaking about. And and I don't think it was his quality that people were talking about and criticizing. It's the I fit. It, it was the fit. It was the fit that, as we spoke about earlier in the year, alongside Rob Lowe. Yes. You know, you can't have, and I said it, it wasn't about, you know, we, he comes from, high level in Europe that's higher level than the NBL is at the moment. He was an NBA draft pick. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it wasn't the fact that he couldn't play. It was his fit as far as you've got two non, non-athletes in that big spot for the breakers. And you look at how well he's played, what's, what's that coincided with since Rob Lowe went home? And I know he still struggled with foul trouble at times, but he started to put together consistent double-doubles when Rob Lowe went home. And it's just that fit where he can play that role. He's got shooters and athletes around him, and he can just play that big body set, good screens, roll hard to the rim, and just dominate the boards. And that's what he's done well. And then he's been able to stay out of foul trouble in recent weeks too. And I think a massive part of that is Dan Shamir, the way he addressed the referees um, situation at a press conference. He did it the right way and just said, look, you know, this guy's never really fouled out in a higher level in, in Europe, which is refed under the same rules, under the same FIBA rules. And then he comes here and he's fouled out all the time. And ever since then, whether it's a coincidence or not, he hasn't been in foul trouble. So um, you got to give credit to him, mate. And like we spoke about with that win over Brisbane a couple of weeks ago where he was, you know, his ankle was shit. And he had 20 and 20 and then it had another... I think it was 26 and 22 game on the weekend. So he's been absolutely sensational. And like, But like I said, I don't think it was his quality. I think it was the fit around the team they had earlier in the year. But that's obviously changed. And now he suits the group much better and it's showing on the uh, in the box scores. And the Breakers are starting to get a, a bit healthy as well. They did get Corey Webster back into the lineup. They added our guy, Will McDowell-White. Uh, they have their other import who will hopefully suit up this week, or if not this week, maybe next. So, you know, who knows Who knows if the Breakers have a, another late run in them. But I'll tell you what, Colton Iverson is doing everything he possibly can to give them every chance they have to win any of these games. And the thing to me that, that it has been impressive, you know, you, you expect a guy his size to rebound and rebound well, but to grab 20 rebounds is not as easy uh, as you think it would be, even with his size advantage. But also that his involvement in the offense they're you know they're they're rewarding the big guy for his effort and and for really pushing through and i think you know with the way that the game is played these days it's really rare that you see big guys being able to put up 20 points 20 points a, a night really and to see them run sets for him and yeah he's getting a lot of second chance opportunities but it's nice to see them use the big man cuz he is he, he's a real advantage for them on both sides of the court Absolutely. And, and like I said, the way he plays now without Rob Lowe suits this team perfectly because you've got guys coming off dribble handoffs and, you know, Dan Schremier's system, there's a lot of dribble handoffs and um, movement into dribble handoffs and on balls. And 
they've got to respect guys like the Webster brothers and, um, you know, now Will McDowell White and everything coming off those screens and you got him diving to the rim and um, the poor guy, poor guy, mate, looks tired, looks absolutely shattered after the first five minutes, but somehow he managed to play a game. Um, but he's an absolute warrior. And, um, you know, there was times on, on the weekend where he had, you know, three or four people around him in the rebound situation still won, won the contest. And it was just the way he goes about it is insane. He's an absolute workhorse and um, just a joy to watch the last couple of weeks um, for me. So I really enjoyed it and, and it's been massive for the breakers. You mentioned uh, breakers head coach Dan Shamir addressing the, the referees in the right way. Let's talk about Sydney Kings coach Adam Ford addressing the referees uh, in a mm, questionable way at best, I guess. But obviously, uh, Coach Adam Ford had uh, a bee in his bonnet and, and he let loose. He's not been known to be one to, to bite his tongue. Uh, what did you make of uh, Coach Ford's rant against the, the referees this past week? I absolutely loved it, to be honest, Johnny. You are it's... a coach, of course, so you would say <laughs> that. But I, I just think, I, I think that there's ranting, but there's ranting in the right way. And I think he came with distinct points. He came with stats. He never, um, you know, did anything crazy as far as like raise his voice and gone absolutely nuts. He was clear in the points he was making. Uh, like you said, he had evidence to back it up um, and everything like that. Oh, I loved it. You know, you need to get your point across in the right way and, um, if that leads to a fine, which he did, I think it was five thousand, which with three of three thousand of it suspended, or whatever. But uh, I really enjoyed it, and to me, that's what we—I I know they're worried about getting fined, but that's what I love to see from coaches, players—is just that emotion and and what they're feeling. And you know, it's no secret that people feel they're getting gypped over in Perth um a certain amount of time it's not and, it's not something that's just cropped up this season that's for sure no, no no not at all and and another thing he mentioned was something i've mentioned is the fact that you know trevor gleason campaigns every second of the game for calls and he seems to get them um but those calls some of the calls down the stretch of that game really probably um boosted it in in adam ford's mind that he needed to say that the casper Ware block on um, Bryce Cotton was as clean as there could be. And then the unsportsmanlike foul on Craig Moller was not a good call at all. And it's just like, you know, he's up in the air. Where is he meant to go? Is he meant to disappear in the air? Like, I don't understand that. So I think he had great points and I know he got fined and everything. What we don't want to see is people just going off and swearing and all that sort of stuff. But I think he did it the right way. He had points. Uh, he made them. He had stats to back him up. He copped a fine and I don't think you'll have to pay it anyway. I'm sure Paul Smith or, you know, the GoFundMe pages that go around on Twitter will cover it. But um, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. And I love that emotion from our players and coaches. I can I can understand the frustration. I, I can also commiserate with the referees. And I say nah. it to, to the referees all the time. I mean, I, I don't know anyone in their right mind who would want to be a referee. <laughs> it, it's just a thankless job because you can call the perfect game and you make one mistake and that's all anyone's going to remember. Uh, I think the way that the, the, the way that players play the game also a lot of times now is very common. It, I, I think it's almost like soccer where players are trying to draw the fouls themselves 
And, you know, it's frustrating. And, and, and it's not just in the NBL. It's across the spectrum of basketball, even down at the juniors. When I was coaching my son's team, I used to get mad at the boys because they'd think that, you know, they got fouled because there was a bit of contact. And basketball is still a physical game. I think, you know, it, it, my, my biggest thing with the referee is I just want you to be consistent. I want you to set the tone and, and be consistent for both teams across the entirety of the game. If you're gonna do, if you can do that, that's all that I that's all that I ask for. And I think it goes back to some of the points that Coach Ford made. He just didn't feel like there was consistency in the calls for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I think you just want consistency. But um, you know, the, like I said, th- those have been issues over in Perth for a while, and it's no secret that players and coaches. Felt, have felt that way and I think it's about time that someone said it so I enjoyed it and um, hopefully those get addressed now and we don't see anything like this going forward but uh, yeah I enjoyed it oh, I knew you would I shouldn't I shouldn't even ask that question I think that was just the obvious answer but I had to ask your opinion and it was good to hear we will also have to ask our guest what he thinks of the refereeing I know uh, he might be a little conservative in his response because he might not want to cop a fine but we are lucky enough to be joined tonight by Cairns Taipan's import point guard, Scott Machado. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us tonight. Uh, no problem, man. It's my pleasure. We were just talking about uh, coach uh, Sydney Kings coach Adam Ford's rant on the refereeing. I know I don't want to get you in trouble, but... Uh, I just wanted to ask you around. You know, you, you've played the game for a long time. You played in the NCAA. You've played overseas. You played in the NBA. What are your thoughts on refereeing, just just in general, and and how does the NBL refereeing compare to leagues that you've played in in the past? Um, well, I mean, uh, in in every every uh, league, it is a little bit different. Uh, not only just the rules and and uh, the rules from the state and the three second rules and. Um, and then the rules over here, playing FIBA rules with guys staying in the lane and being able to tip the ball off with the hoop. Um, all of those things are are very important um, for refs. Um, and there's another another thing that they have to worry about. But um, I think that the, the biggest the biggest difference uh, in the game would be the physicality. Um, I think the the difference between the difference between the leagues, um, it would have to be definitely the physicality that they allow. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's judged off of uh, the physique of someone or the talent of someone. Um, but I think that's, a, that's, that's something that stands out. That's something that stands out. And I think that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing with the refs in my point of view. I definitely think that the Sydney's head coach was definitely my hero that night and everything he said. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was planning on telling him that in person. But if he hears it, if he hears it here first, I'm cool with that. <laughs> He's mine too, mate. He's mine too. But um, Scott obviously came into to this season like a, as a team with, with a lot of expectation after, you know, a really good year last year and um, bringing you and Cam back. But, um it's been a difficult season, um, you know, throughout. You've managed to put some good performances together here and there, but just take us through what this season has been like and what the struggles have been and all that type of stuff. Uh, 
it's been it's been tough, man. We never really knew um, how much a, a third import would mean to a team with so much depth that we have. Um, but at the same time, um, it's just been different challenges, man. The different challenges between uh, the COVID and the hub, and then uh, coming out here and the season being stretched out and not being able to start it the exact same way. Um, and just not being able to to have a yeah I mean I would say a, a normal season but um, we've been doing our, our best to to adapt and doing our best to to uh, to all the challenges um, the injuries um, losing the imports um, having guys play a different type of roles um, and then just uh, adapting to the system on on the way teams are guarding us and the way we have to score as a group so. Um, it's been a challenging year. It's been really challenging, um, but uh, we we've been uh, we've been taking the challenges as best as we can. Scott, you guys seem to have you, you're in every game. You're not getting blown out of most of the games. It seems like you just have these little moments where the game slips away from you. What do you guys have to? What are the adjustments you have to make to to help you get over that hump? And you know, like on, on the game, the games against Melbourne on the weekend seemed like you had the opportunities, but the game just kind of slipped away from you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, with, with our group, we just we have to we have to be very solid. Um, we have to be very solid, and we have to try to minimize our our mistakes um, as much as possible. Um, and not not to say we have to have perfect games, but uh, we gotta we gotta definitely be able to play hard all four quarters. Um, and yeah, just take care of the basketball. Uh, make sure that we we communicate on a defensive end and and limit um, limit opportunities for other teams. That whether it's uh, us pressing up the court or it's us getting offensive, uh, not allowing offensive rebounds and finishing defensive plays. Um, all those things are very important, um, and especially with with our group right now. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think that it's not too late. Um, I think that we we have a group that that comes in every day working um, and, uh, and and wants to work. So we just we just continuously fighting this uphill battle um, until we hit the mountaintop so we can start rolling. And you mentioned it a little bit there, Scott, um, before, but having only two imports this year and not being able to bring a guy like DJ Newville back, obviously a massive part of your team and, and everyone's sort of, sort of been well-documented how um, sort of much he, he meant to you guys. But can you take us through how much he meant to that team last year on both ends of the floor and how hard it has been to sort of cover that void that he left? Uh, yeah, I mean... Man, I, I guess I guess DJ's game itself was kind of self-explanatory to show what we were missing. Um, he won Defensive Player of the Year, um, and then he averaged almost twenty points a game. So, um, just being able to do those two things and and having another another option, obviously on offensive end, always helps. Um, but then, I mean, Defensive Player of the Year that's that's not no easy award to win. Um, and when you got somebody like that, it's it makes it makes your work a little bit easier too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think all, all his accolades and all that he's done um, for us last year kind of shows um, what he meant to us. Scott, what's a uh, that was my first time up at the pop up arena. Um, 
it's an interesting setup to to say the least. I mean, I definitely didn't feel like I was at at a Bunnings, but it, it kind of felt um, it, it for me. You know, coming up there, it, it felt a little bit awkward. How, how has that adjustment been playing in a, in a new arena? That it's it is kind of a you know it is a temporary spot. Um, what's that been like adjusting from playing at the convention center to this new pop up arena? I mean, it's different. Obviously, uh, the amount of people that are allowed to be in there, and then on top of on top of the the arena being smaller, it's just not the same as far as the the snake pit the arena that we had. It was it was kind of closed off, and it was it was louder um, when the fans got involved. Um, and just because of how the bunnings is set up, even when the fans get into the game, um, it's just not as loud. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I'm just grateful that everybody is is going through this this little change with us, um, and then just supporting us um, even through the struggles that we're going through. Yeah, I mean, I was I was there for for the WNBL stuff, and you kind of don't think it's a basketball stadium when you when you look at the at the front there. It's kind of yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a different different sort of setup, but. Uh, as Johnny mentioned before, um, Scott, you've played sort of all around the world and NBA and um, college and all that sort of stuff. Um, how much have you enjoyed your, your time in the NBL? And um, just as far as standard and everything, um, how do you think it sits compared to the other leagues you've played in? Um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a, grow, it's a growing, growing league. Um, uh, I was talking to, to my boy uh, Tom Abercrombie on New Zealand. Um, when we were in the hub and he had asked me to come to play in the NBL back in 2014, I believe it was. And I just, I was just like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, I don't know. I don't know like how basketball is out there. Like I've never even heard about it. So for me, it was just like not even a question to go and ask my agent what it was and whatnot. But then uh, you started to hear more and more about it. Um, and obviously I ended up following Tom and, his his steps and his career and the league has just been growing. Um, and uh, for me, it's a it's a it's a really good league. Uh, I think the the most interesting thing is that you get to play um, teams more than twice. Every other league um, besides the NBA, you usually just play teams twice, um, and you don't get to play teams three, four, five times in a season. And I think that's what allows you to to adapt um, when you're playing a team and then you have to go into a playoff series going, okay, well, we played them this way the first time that they uh, they beat us this way, so now we're going to go into playing them this way this time and we, we beat them this way. So just the, just the concept of switching the way you want to guard and attack a team and, and just the coach's rhythms and the way he goes about um, his selections and how his X's and O's go um, and his rhythm of the game. You just get to you get to see those things throughout a season, so that just in case that you do make it to those top four, um, you have your you have your options. Scott, I got to ask you a, a personal question: um, Who do you think is the best team in the MAC conference, um, and <laughs> why isn't it Monmouth University? Uh, um, <laughs> I think that. Uh, it's, it's an obvious reason why it's not Monmouth University because <laughs> the last eight years there's been a school that has been is running the MAC um, and 
I'd like to say that I graduated from that school and I'm a I'm I'm part of their alma mater. So Iona College is definitely the school to be at in the that conference. I, I, I do you still follow the the NCAA a lot, Scott? Um, yes, I do. Um, not as not as much as I used to. Um, I have a little brother that's in college now, so um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I ended up watching the the finals tonight. Uh, Baylor against uh, Gonzaga, the Zags, um, and I, I mean, it was a. I thought the game was going to be a little closer, um, but uh, I was a little shocked that Baylor got them. But it was a. It was a, it was a good game for the most part, but the game before this in the final four, the UCLA Gonzaga game was was one of the best. Uh, executions of basketball on the offensive end in college that I've seen in a long time. So it was just a, it was a great game. It really was. I, I, uh, I, I must admit, I only saw the end of that game and man, that was, I mean, the NCAA tournament just seems to produce one of those moments quite, quite regularly. What are you, what are your memories of the NCAA tournament? Um, yeah, you're right. It does, it does produce some good memories. Um, for me personally, not the best, um, but, uh, I mean, I had a great time in my experience with NCAA. Um, we, were, we were in the first four playing against BYU. Um, and uh, we, uh, we were up 21 points, I think, with 15 minutes left to go in the game. And we, uh, we let it go. We let it go. So, for me, it was going to be, I think, the first win in, in, our, in our college history in the NCAA tournament. And we just... We just let that one go. Um, so not the best memory, but uh, just making it there was was a big deal. Um, we were uh, at large bid, and usually that doesn't happen for a, a mid major school. So uh, it was pretty. It was a pretty big deal. Um, but yeah, like you said, the NCAA tournament itself, the March Madness, is is usually one of those uh, tournaments that always has some type of beautiful outcome or or beautiful memories. And Scott, you got the chance to play, obviously, with one of the the, the most storied franchises in in NBA, in NBA history, in the Lakers. Was that LeBron's first year at the at the at the Lakers? Uh, no, no, it was his second year. Um, what was that? Yeah, was, like? Did you get a chance to play with him, or was he injured? Um, no, no, I, I got on the court with him, um, and uh, it wasn't too long. But I mean, just just watching him from from the sideline most of the time, and and uh, being a, a big fan of his, uh, I, uh, I mean, you you can just see how intelligent he is and how how wonderful his IQ of the game is, um, and he's always ready to to explain and, and teach and 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 pass forward his knowledge to to the one that's willing to listen, and he's just always passing it forward. And um, it was a wonderful experience, uh, kind of a gym, uh, a dream come true, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely one of my favorite players, and uh, at the time, I, I didn't really want to show all of that because obviously, I'm I feel like I'm a great player too, and and I want to be a part of a team and not a fanboy on his team. But um, yeah, he's definitely a uh, definitely a good uh, not only a good player but a good person too. Scott, I just want to ask you one more before we let you go because you talked about LeBron and you know him passing on to his knowledge and his experience. You have young Mojave King with you this season and uh, in the games that I've seen on TV and then in person. I see you having lots of conversations 
with Mojave. Is that something that you are trying to do with Mojave to, to help him grow his game and, and adjust to that professional career? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to the best of my ability. He, uh, in the beginning, it started off as uh, me telling him and, and uh, wanting to better and help him out. And, and it's become him questioning and, and wanting to know more, too. So um, I definitely see the growth in that. And, and that's, uh, that's the best way for a player to grow. Um, wanting to learn and and also wanting to uh, to better himself. So uh, definitely, sky's um, the limits for that kid for sure. Scott, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, on a Tuesday evening to chat with us tonight. We uh, we love watching you play, and we wish you and the Taipans all the best of luck this week against the Hawks and for the rest of the season. Thank you so much for chatting to us tonight. I uh, appreciate you guys. You guys have a wonderful evening. All right. That's uh, Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Scott. That's Scott Machado, the Cans Taipans point guard, and uh, just the experience, Braden. I mean, Scott has been there and, and done that with everything, and just a really – I see a, a great leader in him, and I, I love what he said about Mojave King as well, just trying to take the young guy and, and giving him as much guidance and, and help as he possibly can. Absolutely. He's been um... – you know, an absolute gift to this league since he's been here and um, obviously took that Cairns Titans, you know, unit within one game of the grand final series last year and he's having another sensational year. Obviously, the team's not performing as well, but he's still been sensational. And But to have someone of his calibre in our league, um, and especially in a, in an area like Cairns, is huge for them and huge for the league. And, um, you know, I really hope we can keep him in uh, the NBL for the rest of his career. I meant I wanted to ask him because when he was down here in, in Brisbane, he 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 made a comment to me about potentially looking to try and stay in Australia. I didn't get that one uh, this time, but next time we get him in, we'll see if he's uh, potentially looking to to stick around a, l- a little bit longer. That'd be great to keep him around, wouldn't it? Absolutely, mate. We need to keep people like that in the league, and um, you know, bringing that familiar face back and everything means a lot to not only the NBL, but that team's franchise and, and their fans. So hopefully we can keep them here. Yeah, the Taipans have pretty much the week off. They play the Illawarra Hawks on Sunday, and that could be a great matchup also with the, the Hawks, especially if Harvey comes back. That Harvey-Machado uh, matchup will, would be a beauty. Absolutely. I, I think it's um, you know probably leaning towards the Hawks, especially after you know their disappointing performance last up against the 36ers, and I'm not sure what the status of, you know, Harvey and Best I was in that situation, but um, you know, I think it'll be a good game. Those, those games between those two teams have been pretty um, good so far, and, and hopefully it can be another one, but I think uh, the Hawks will, will probably get up in that one. A couple of interesting ones. I, I want to talk about the opening game, uh, which is the Hawks against the Bullets. Two teams, like we start, we talked about right at the beginning of the podcast, dealing with a bit of injuries. Both teams really need a win, uh, and need a win bad because they're both kind of hanging around that that four spot. The Hawks just a, a, I think it's a one game in the win column above the Bullets. So that's a huge game to open the round. Both teams needing a win down in Illawarra is going to be a good one. For sure, you know. You hear people speak about these games all the time that it's sort of a double win, really, because you, you, you're going against one of the teams you're battling um, for that position with. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Ho- hopefully, all I hope for the Bullets is with all the injuries they have, they can put in um, a better spirited performance than they did last time they were at the Hawks. And, um, you know, they got Lamar Patterson back, so maybe that gives them the, the little bit of a boost they need. But uh, 
I think it's going to be pretty tough for them to get to get the win there. So I think the Hawks will get that one, but hopefully the Bullets can put in a, a better show because they need to start scraping some wins together if they're going to stay in that top four race. Another great game uh, is Sydney against Perth, this time in Sydney. I'll be interested to see what uh, 40s rant does for them <laughs> uh, back on their back on their home court playing against those Wildcats. But uh, I, I thought that first game would have been uh, a good game. I think Perth, you know, Perth kind of ran away with it, you know, notwithstanding the the commentary around the, the refereeing. Uh, but I think the Kings again, you know, they're they're kind of hanging around. They're kind of coming into a bit of form. The matchup between Casper Ware and Bryce Cotton is always a good one. It's going to be whether the Kings can can get contributions from others. Uh, they need DJ to step up. They need Newley to step up because uh, you know with Perth you're going to get a game. You're going to get a great game from Bryce Cotton. You're going to get a great game from John Mooney, and and lo and behold, someone from the rest of that team will someone will step up. For sure, and I think the main the main thing for the Sydney Kings is you know they put in a better performance against the Bullets, and I think the main area that they addressed that they've been poor in at times was um, the boards, and that's a massive key to, to try and beat the Wildcats. You've got to keep them off the O-boards and everything. So uh, if the Kings can do that, I think it goes a long way towards a, a victory there because they've shown they can match it with them. And um, the other thing I'd like to see is, you know, we build up these rivalries between players and teams like the Casper Ware, Bryce Cotton uh, rivalry is that we don't tech one of them if they get in the face of the other after a big play like they did last time in Sydney. So, um, yeah, it's a massive one. And uh, I'm actually leaning towards the Kings in that one, Johnny. All right. I like that. What uh, what other games when you're looking at the schedule jump out at you this week? There's a lot of them. They, the, game, yeah. the round tips off on Wednesday night and then uh, it wraps up, I believe, on Tuesday with uh, New Zealand and Perth. Uh, one game that I think it's going to be, I think the Breakers are, you know, almost out, definitely out of the playoffs race. But I think a, a massive game, the one that's going to be exciting to watch is the Breakers versus United um, on the weekend. I think, you know, two high-powered offensive teams. Breakers have got some people back. Hopefully Randolph plays the way Iverson's playing. And they've got the Webster brothers clicking. Will McDowell White back into that mix. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the stacked United roster. So, um, that doesn't have much to do with the, the finals implications and everything, but I just think that'll be a, a really exciting game to watch. And then um, for me after that, uh, the United um, versus Bullets, I think. The Bullets really need to win one of these two games. And, um, you know, this is probably going to be a, a, t- a tougher one than the Hawks game, but they need to scrape out one, I think, this weekend. So those are the two games that stand out for me this weekend, Johnny. The other ones are probably, you know, pretty self-explanatory or... You know, duds as far as spots on the ladder, but um, those are the ones that stand out for me, I think. Yeah, I think you forgot the Kings Southeast Melbourne game as well. Phoenix are playing some yeah. great basketball, yeah. and, and and the Kings are just hanging around at the moment. I, I think, you know, I don't think we've seen the best from the Kings, but I do think Southeast Melbourne is really rounding into the form, and I think they're playing some of their best basketball. And I, I do want to just um, play devil's advocate, not necessarily devil's advocate. But we heard Scott Machado say, you know, he feels like his team still has a run in them. And you look at the latter. Yes, Cairns and New Zealand are at the bottom, both with five wins. The team in fourth place at the moment currently is the Sydney Kings with 10 wins, 10 losses. Now, hear me out. I know I'm not talking about form. I'm talking about mathematically. No one is out yet, okay? 
New Zealand ran, you know, was struggled last season, and they ran, got into a hot streak. They got a bit of help. They made it into the finals. I, I do think Kansas playing a bit better. New Zealand's playing a bit better. Some of these other teams, you know, we could talk. We've talked about injuries a lot this week. Teams could come across injuries, hit struggle street. Some of these teams beneath them could hit a bit of form and run into a final spot. So, I know, uh, I know you've written off cans a while back. I know you're trying to write off New Zealand, but I'm still, no, no, no. I'm still holding on to hope that these guys could potentially have a run in them. I think if there's one of those two teams that can make a run, it's New Zealand, just with the firepower and everything that they have with the additions they've made and um, people coming back and the way Iverson's playing. So I think New Zealand definitely have a shot if they can get on a hot streak. But, uh, you know, like you said, every team's mathematically still still in it. But I just don't think the Taipans have the roster at the moment to be able to put those wins together. But I think the New Zealand breakers are definitely capable and it starts this weekend. Let's see how they can go in their, their two games this weekend. But they got two pretty tough ones in United and the Wildcats. So... Um, if they can scrape out those two wins, you, you never know from there. You never know. That's why you got to tune in. Every game is a good game. Every game is going to be a tight game. The latter, it is rounding into a bit of form, but no one is out just yet. And uh, let's see if some of these teams that are sitting outside the four can get on a bit of run to put a bit of pressure on those top three because there is a bit of distance between four and three, uh, and there's certainly a distance between the top two and the rest of the competition. But that's what makes this league the league that it is and how exciting that it is. Every game is an important one, Braden. For sure, mate. And, um, you know, like you said, uh, like we've been saying for most of this podcast, that now it's starting to get into sort of business end time where you need to start putting wins together if you're serious about making the finals. And if you're not, you're going to start to fall away. So um, let's see how it goes over the weekend. Let's see. And uh, that'll pretty much do it for us here, Braden. I just want to wish you uh, and all the teams playing in the Classics the best of luck. Looking forward to seeing all the content you're going to be pumping out this week. I think you got a few game recaps to get to, don't you? Absolutely, man. I'll finish them for the night, but I've got a couple other things to get to, so uh, we'll see how we go. All right. Well, best of luck to you. Best of luck to all those teams playing, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another edition of the Sideline Dribblers podcast. We'll see you all again next week.